As we uh, get into God's Word this morning, I just want to say again, uh, what a great week that we've had, and uh, our task today is to kind of bring a close to this time of VBS, and, and one of the things that I love about Vacation Bible School is that it just brings us back to simple truths that we need to be reminded of. Sometimes we, you know, get so caught up in all the complexities of life, and I, and I love the fact that this very week, uh, one of the main things that the kids were learning was right there in that motto, which was basically the three truths that we talked about this week, that, that God is great, that God is mighty, or almighty, and that God is our ruler, our king. And this is simple, very straightforward. We're not trying to confuse anybody or, or, or have a lot of controversy with this. We're just proclaiming the simple gospel truth that the Bible has laid out for us. And you know, I've loved VBS for a long time because back in 1985, which seems like a million years ago at this point, it was on Tuesday of VBS week that, that God opened my own heart to the truths of the gospel. And I came to understand that I was a sinner in need of a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior. And, and I'm excited this morning to be able to continue to do what God has given me the opportunity to do for many years, which is to proclaim Jesus. We want to talk this morning as we wrap up our VBS and as we turn to the Word of God this morning, we want to, we want to talk this morning about who is this Jesus and, and how should we respond to Him? Because the, the truths about Jesus Christ that are displayed in the Word of God require a response from us. And the response has to be more than just, well, ain't that cool? It has to be more than just a, a verbal affirmation or, or, or the mental reception of truth. That the, the truths about Jesus that are laid out in the Scriptures require a response from us that, that I want to talk with us about this morning as we explore this, a little more of this idea of God as Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so we'll be here in Matthew chapter 1 for our time in the Word this morning. Matthew 1, and, and I know as we read that scripture this morning, some of you are thinking, well, it's not Christmas time. You've heard of Christmas in July, where we're doing Christmas in August this morning. And we need to be reminded of what took place on that first Christmas more than just once a year, because this is so foundational, not just for our, our understanding of who Jesus is, but our understanding of who we are as followers of Jesus, if that's where you find yourself this morning. And I, and I don't want to assume that. You may not yet be a follower of Christ this morning, and I want you to see today who Jesus is and how he invites you to respond to him. So three simple truths. We, we looked at three simple truths this week about God, God uh, being uh, our, our king, God being almighty, and God being great. We're going to look at three simple truths about Jesus today that we find right here in the text. We want to be led by the word of God. You don't need to be led by the words of this preacher. You need to be led by the word of God. And I simply want to lay forth for you what God's word has for us today. First truth today, right there in verses 18 through 20 Jesus is the sovereign God. Matthew here says this is about the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, Christ is not his last name. 
Christ means that he is the anointed one. As Matt just said a moment ago, we go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, at the very beginning of the Bible, God began making promises about this promised one, this Messiah, this anointed one, this chosen one. He has many names throughout the Old Testament, ultimately to be revealed in the name Jesus that we'll talk more about in just a moment. But God began making promises about him from the very beginning of the Bible. And he continued making those promises generation after generation through various prophets who served as his spokesman in those Old Testament days. When we find that that the sovereign God was promising this one, this, this one called the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one that was going to come into the world. And Matthew is recognizing here in Matthew chapter 1 that all the promises of God that began way back in Genesis 3.15, 2,000 years before Matthew wrote his gospel, all those promises were finding their fulfillment in the baby that was born in a manger. But that baby that was born in a manger was, was born in a way that was different than any other baby that had ever, ever been born. He was conceived not in the normal way of things, but as he says here, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is God, that, that God exists as one God, but he, he has revealed himself to us in three persons, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here we see the Father who has proclaimed the sending of the Messiah for all these generations. Now through the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that Savior is being conceived in the womb of that virgin named Mary. And we believe in the virgin birth. Even though science would tell us that that's an impossibility, we know that we serve the God of the impossible. Our kids learned about that this week. And we, as the followers of Jesus Christ, must believe in the supernatural. We must believe that God is the God of miracles, that He is Almighty, and He can do anything that He sets out to do. And so the Holy Spirit, conceiving the Son of God in the womb of the Virgin Mary, this was the power of God on display But the fact that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, as we see mentioned two times in these verses, reminds us that he is fully God. And he has been so forever. As I've said many times from this pulpit, Jesus did not get his start in Bethlehem. As we come to Christmas time, and here we're doing Christmas in August today, as we come to Christmas time, we remind ourselves that He is the eternal God who has always existed. One of our children asked this week a, a very profound question. They asked, Well, when was God born? That is a great question, by the way. And the, and the answer that was given, Well, God wasn't born, He's always been. And they went, Wow. And we too ought to go, wow, what, what do we do with that? We, we don't have a concept of anything that doesn't have a, a beginning and an end. But God has no beginning and he will have no end. And, and, and so we understand that here the God who had no beginning and will have no end was conceived in the virgin womb of Mary and brought into the world. And the infinite God became finite. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. The God who had always been stepped out, uh, stepped into time and into history 
And we see Him here being displayed. And so what do we do with this? If you were to take the Bible, God's Word, at face value this morning, what do you do with this reality that the Creator of all things stepped out of heaven and stepped into the world through Mary's womb? What do you do with that? And again, I want to say these truths require a response from us. And it's got to be more than just a a mental reception or or just an emotional response. That that these truths, the first thing they require is that we must rightly respond to Him by faith. That's what God requires from us. In fact, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible for us to be in a right relationship with God apart from faith. And that's by God's design. That's not something this preacher made up or or, or some church leaders devised. This is by God's design that through faith, through our putting our trust in this one who stepped out of heaven and stepped into our world through Mary's womb, that we would put our faith and trust in him to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. You see, Hebrews 11 says that faith is the conviction of things not seen. That we are trusting in that which we may not have observed, have observed with our physical eyes, but we have, it's been revealed to us through the Word of God that these things are true, and so we trust in Him. And we give our lives over to Him. And it's so much more than just church attendance and Bible reading and prayer. Though all of those things are good, it is that our entire lives are given over to the King above all kings who stepped off of His throne in heaven and was born in a manger. He humbled Himself in obedience to His Father and became the Savior of the world. This was Jesus' proclamation This issue of faith, Mark chapter 1, as Jesus went out proclaiming the gospel, the good news that he came to bring and to be, that he said, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And what he was saying was this, all that you've been waiting for, all these many years, since all the way back to Genesis 3.15, all that you've been waiting for is fulfilled in me which would be the most conceited statement ever made if it weren't true. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So what's the response? Repent and believe in the gospel. Now we'll talk more about what it means to repent here in just a moment. But for now, look at that word there, to believe, to have faith, to put your trust firmly and fully in Jesus and in Jesus alone. We believe that salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's nothing that I can do or nothing that I need to add to. He did it all. And we trust in Him. He is our sovereign God. The second thing that we see there in verse 21, which is really just the the key verse of this passage, in verse 21 we find that He is our saving grace. And I love that God saw fit to wrap up in His very name that which He came to do for us. Right there in Matthew 1.21, as the angel said to Joseph, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For He will save His people from their sins. 
He is our saving grace. His very name, Jesus, means the Lord is salvation. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. His name doesn't mean the Lord brings salvation as if it were something separate from Him. No, His name means the Lord is salvation. Salvation is found in Him and in Him alone. And that's not just a New Testament idea. We find that same idea all throughout the Old Testament as God continually proclaimed Himself as Savior. Again, that would be the most conceited name ever given to an individual if it weren't true. The Lord is salvation. He is our Redeemer. He is our Deliverer. And everything that we need is found in Him. And not only was He fully God, but we find here that He is also fully man. And He will be so forever. I can remember the day when I realized what it meant that when Jesus took on flesh, that wasn't just for a 30-year period while he was on this earth. That wasn't just a, a temporary thing that he then shed when he went back to heaven. No, when Jesus took on human flesh, when he was conceived in the virgin's womb, when Jesus took on human flesh, that was for all time and forevermore. When we go to heaven one day, we will see Jesus in the flesh. And that's so important. You say, well, why is that important? It's, it's crucial for our understanding of who Jesus is. Because if He is not fully human in every way, then He is not able to stand in our place and take our penalty at the cross. You see, He had to become our substitute. He had to be able to stand in our place. And the Bible talks about the fact that he was tested and tried, that he experienced all of the weaknesses of human flesh. The only difference between he and us was this, that he had no sin. He had no sin. But in every other way, he was fully, he is fully human and will be so forever. He took on flesh in order to be our substitute and how do we how do we respond to that reality we not only respond by faith but we respond by this this word repentance and i know that's one of those big bible words that sometimes we just throw out there and don't explain and we we tried to do a lot of explaining of big bible words this week and i want to explain the word repentance means an about face it means a turnaround it means that I am marching headlong away from God toward death and hell and the grave in my sin. And one day, God showed up. And for me, it was, in, it was in July of 1985 during vacation in Bible school that God revealed himself to me and I began to do an about face. Now I would say to us, I don't believe that repentance is a one and done thing. It's a continual posture of the Christian life that we walk by faith and we also walk by repentance. We continue turning to God, turning away from our sin and trusting in God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He, our God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And that is a picture of what repentance looks like. It's a turning from sin and a trusting in Christ. 
And that's our response to who He is, a response of repentance and faith. And finally this morning, we've seen that Jesus is our sovereign God. Jesus Himself is our saving grace. And finally, our third truth this morning is that Jesus is God's spoken gift. And right there in our text, if you look there at verse 22, uh, Matthew uses this phrase about ten times in this gospel. I don't have time to look at them all this morning, but this phrase, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. You'll see that again and again if you read through the gospel of Matthew. This is the first of ten times that he references Old Testament scriptures that were fulfilled in Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul would, would later write about Jesus, all the promises of God find their yes and their amen, their fulfillment in the person of Jesus. But what was this particular promise? Well, you'd have to go back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which, by the way, was written 700 years before Matthew wrote his gospel. And Isaiah is talking about the one who was to come. And Matthew is now saying, hey, that guy that Isaiah was talking about 700 years ago, he's here. He was born from the Virgin Mary in a cattle stall. He is here. And he says, behold. I love that word there. That word behold means pay attention. There's something to see here. Listen up. Watch what God is doing. Behold. Isaiah wrote, the virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now you say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I thought his name was Jesus. Yep. He's got a lot of beautiful names. And this name, Emmanuel, as he says here, means God with us. I don't know how you think about God this morning. There are a lot of folks that are really angry at God right now because of what's happening in our world. And I won't shrink back from declaring to you this morning that God is sovereign over all of it. There is nothing happening with COVID-19 or the racial disharmony or the political mess that's going on right now. There's nothing that's happening in our world that God is not completely in control of. Now, we ourselves are responsible for what our sin has brought into the world, but God is in control of that as well. There is nothing that is outside of His sovereign rule and reign. And He even uses the suffering that we're going through right now in our world. He even uses that suffering as a part of His salvation plan to bring us to Himself through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and work in us. He uses even these times of suffering and difficulty to draw us to Himself. God has a purpose in our pain. He never wastes even an ounce of the suffering that we go through. And if you're in a time of suffering this morning, I want you to hear that. And I want you by faith, will you receive that from God? Will you receive that He is doing something even in your difficulty? He is Emmanuel, God with us. Not God distant from us, 
Not God departed from us as the deists would proclaim. He is God with us. Yes, he is the transcendent God far above us in every way, but he is also the imminent God nearer to us than any person could be. The Methodist pastor Adam Clark said, Jesus is called Emmanuel or God with us in his incarnation. That means in his taking on of flesh. God united to our nature. God with man. God in man. God with us by his continual protection. And God with us through every action of our life that we begin, continue, and end in His name. He is God with us to comfort, enlighten, protect, and defend us in every time of temptation and trial, in the hour of death, in the day of judgment, and God with us and in us, and we with and in Him to all eternity. That's what Emmanuel means and so much more. And God wants you to know Him as Emmanuel, not God at a distance, but God up close and personal in even living in you. That's the promise of the gospel. And so what does this mean? Well, it means for those who trust in Christ, who turn from their sin and trust in Jesus through repentance and faith, it means that there are some truths we want to cling to today, and they come right out of this name, Emmanuel. First of all, He is God with us in each moment of our lives. Now, I know when I say that there are, there are times when all of us, this pastor included, there are times when we feel forsaken we feel alone we feel as if god has departed and yet we need to be reminded in those moments above all that god's promises remain and so in hebrews chapter 13 the writer of hebrews encourages keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have why for he has said god has said i will never leave you or forsake you and by the way if you were to trace that promise throughout the old testament and into the new testament it's all over the place the promise of god's never-ending presence in the lives of his people now for those who are not trusting in Christ, who have not turned from their sins and trusted in Jesus, that promise does not yet hold true. But I encourage you today, that promise can be yours if you will turn from your sin and trust in Christ. It's the promise of God, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is good and faithful to His Word. He's with us in each moment. Secondly, God is with us in every mess. And there's a lot of mess right now, isn't there? There's a lot of mess. You don't have to look very far into the headlines or even into what's happening here, here locally to see there's just a lot of mess in our world right now. And yet, again, God is sovereign over all of it. And faith in Him means we don't have to be shaken. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried about what's going to come or, or how things are going to turn out. We already know how things are going to turn out because God has already told us in His Word. He is the victorious one. He wins all of these things. And, and so we look to Him by faith and we find our rest and peace in Him. And Hebrews 4 says we have a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So then what? Let us hold fast our confession, our confession of faith. Let us hold fast to it. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, instead, we have one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are, and yet he was without sin. So then what's our response? Let us then with confidence, with courage, with boldness, that's the idea. Let us then with confidence draw near to his throne of grace so that we might find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Church, if there has ever been a more relevant scripture for the day in which we're living, it's Hebrews 4.16. Drawing near to his throne of grace and receiving that promise that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. He is God with us. It's his very nature and identity to draw near to his people. And finally this morning, he is God with us in our earthly mission. We've been given a task for our time remaining in this world. And, and it's not to accumulate a mass of money and more stuff. Our task is not to rise up the corporate ladder. Our task is not to make a name for ourselves. We've been given a task for our time remaining on this earth. From the time He rescues us from sin and death and hell through the grace that He poured out at the cross and through the blood of Jesus from the time that we become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ to the day He takes us home to be with Him, we have a task in this world. And it's not the world's task. It is a task that takes place in the world, but it's not a task that's of the world. And Jesus lays out the task for us at the very end of the very gospel that we're looking at this morning. And it's the, it's the scripture text that we put on our VBS church this, this year as we wanted to remind ourselves that even in a COVID-19 world, our task has not changed. There may be obstacles, there may be things that stand in our way, but all of those things are nothing in comparison with our God. And so what is our task? At the very end of Matthew 28, he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is God Almighty. He is the sovereign God. And so what did he say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. That's our task, the making of disciples. It's right there on our t-shirts, but it's, more importantly, it needs to be right there in our hearts. Making disciples of all nations, beginning right here in our own community and going to every country of the world. And even still to this day, there are thousands of people groups in this world, people of unique cultures and languages that have yet to hear of this Jesus, the one who is salvation. And so our task is not done. We're still called to go and to make disciples beginning here at home, but not stopping here, going to the very ends of the earth with this gospel message and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that He has commanded us, and He's given us a lot to teach. And then this promise. This promise of Emmanuel that's fulfilled there at the end of Matthew 28. The very last words of this gospel, he said, and behold, 
Pay attention. Listen. Don't fall asleep here. This is something of wonder you're not going to want to miss. Behold, Jesus said, I'm with you always. To the very end of this age. And then you say, well, is he going to leave us then? No, then we will be with him. And so I would say to us this morning, church, let's not forget our mission. Our mission this week during VBS was to help these kids track down the one true God The amazing thing, though, is in truth, he's the one who's tracked us down. It was not that we went searching after and finding him. In fact, the Bible says none of us seeks God, not even one. This morning, if for the first time your eyes have been opened to the beauty of this gospel, if for the first time your ears have become attuned to the one who is calling you to himself, It has to do with this reality. He has come searching after you. And perhaps today is the day when you turn from sin and trust in Jesus. That's the only place you're going to find hope and peace and purpose in this life. A purpose that goes beyond what this world thinks is important. You see, this mission will last until the day when this world is over and the next world comes and then in that next world we're going to be rejoicing over the fulfillment of this mission we're going to be rejoicing with brothers and sisters from various tribes and tongues and nations from all over this planet we're going to be rejoicing together over one central figure our lord and savior jesus christ the king above all kings our sovereign god our saving grace and the God who is with us, Emmanuel. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for these simple truths. We thank you that it has never been your desire to confuse us, to confound us, but simply with clarity to reveal to us who you are and how we should respond to you. We thank you that now some 2,000 years ago, at just the right time, the Son of God stepped out of heaven and into the womb of the Virgin Mary. By the power of the Holy Spirit was conceived and was brought forth into this world fully human so that he could become our substitute. So that he could lay his life down at the cross for us. And for this reason we have much to rejoice in. Father, I pray that if there be anyone here this morning who has not yet received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who has not yet recognized the fullness of who He is and what He has accomplished for us, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That today would be a day of repentance, of turning from their sin and of faith, of trusting in their Savior. And Father, as we respond to you in these final songs today, I pray that you would stir our hearts toward our mission. Remind us 
that there is only one name given under heaven by which we might be saved. His name is Jesus. He has come. And we are called to proclaim him until the day that we behold him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.